Welcome to Fundamentally Drained Podcast with your hosts, Father Everett Lees, Father Tom Dahlman, and Justin Dixon. Three Christians exploring Christianity from a perspective other than the fundamental view from which we have become fundamentally drained. We'll begin the conversation and you take it from there. Today we are going to talk about holiday grief. And um, grief is something that, you know, I don't fully understand and uh, maybe others do not either. And to the point that grief can take over someone's life or be a part of their lives that they don't want to be. So we thought we would do an episode and um, I looked out and found a person that I looked to for information on grief. And today I am interviewing uh, Deacon Cindy Ritter. Good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, Justin. And so um, Deacon Cindy leads the grief uh, program at our church, and she has lots of information to share. And so we've kind of come up with some questions we're just going to go over and touch on these topics for whoever it is beneficial for. So let's begin, uh, Deacon Cindy, with the first question. What is grief? Let me begin with an example that I've heard used often from a woman named Barbara Carnes. She's a registered nurse who's an expert in grief. She describes it like this. Imagine that you are sitting at your desk in a room with an open window and you're preparing your income tax statement. You have all of your papers, your receipts, everything you need spread out on the desk before you for the entire year's financial statement. You're working diligently, um, making some progress, and suddenly a windstorm comes. A huge gust of wind comes through the window and blows every single piece of paper that you have diligently organized for a year. It blows it all over the room. Basically, putting on end everything that you've assembled. Hmm for almost a lifetime, it seems like, <laughs> when you're dealing with income tax. Right. This is grief. It's a graphic example because when you can imagine something like that happening to yourself, when you face a significant loss, when anyone faces a significant loss, there is a reaction. There are multiple reactions. When you think about losing all your paperwork, mm. remember that sick feeling you get in your stomach like, right. oh, right. all of this. Your world is turned upside down. Hmm. Grief is the response within us to a loss of something significant. A person, a pet, uh, a valued object. Hmm. Right. Even even um, a breakup of a relationship. a relationship. That's what I was thinking about too. Right, right. Anything that is important and valued, we normally focus on the loss through death because that's kind of kind of the pattern. Right. But there, this is the inward response. It can be physical, emotional, societal, or um, socioeconomic as far as our position in the world, our identity. Would you explain that a little bit more? Okay. If um, one of the simple examples is if we are um, a 
man who has lost their wife. Oh, okay. What okay. is my identity now right. as a man right. and as a husband? Or a job. And as a provider. Right, right, right. Or if I'm a woman and my husband dies, I'm no longer part of a couple. Hmm. I am um, no longer being supported if I'm someone who hasn't worked. I now am responsible for everything. Hmm. There's no one to share raising children, raising grandchildren. I'm on my own. Right. Our whole identity shifts. So uh, that aspect of it, and also spiritually, we grieve. We may grieve spiritually. There is an inward reaction to all of those areas. There's a differentiation between grief and mourning. Mourning is the outward expression of those emotions. Usually when we are thinking about pastoral care and caring for people who are grieving or are in grief ourselves, those terms are used interchangeably, and we normally use the, the term grief. Hmm. Grief is our inward response. Mourning is how we act that out oh, in our okay. lives. Okay, right. It's funerals. It right. is how we conduct ourselves in the world. It's doing things. It's not doing things. It's feeling good. It's feeling bad. It's however we we react to those emotions on the inside. Hmm. So we don't have to worry about that terminology, but that right, is, right. you know, that's the distinction. Right. It gives it language. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and so this is something too, when, when I think of grief, I do think of, of the loss of someone. As opposed to not necessarily that, but some it could be something, it could be job related, it could be many things too, um, in that area. So grief can show up in various areas, correct? That's correct. It can show up in any area where there's been a loss. Hmm. You may lose a piece of jewelry that you've always valued. It has right. meaning for you. Right, it's a right. wedding ring, and you lose it. It's gone. Hmm. There's grief. There is a response inside you, an emotion, emotions, multiple emotions. There can be, you know, when we're talking about death of a person or we're talking about any of these losses, there can be physical symptoms that seem to be illness. It can be headaches, stomach aches, heart palpitations, any kind of jitteriness, Mm -hmm. sleeping too much, not Mm -hmm. sleeping enough, physical manifestations. You know, with the theme of our podcast, which is fundamentally drained and um, kind of where we have come from and my, myself in particular, I'll speak on since uh, Tom and Evan aren't here, but uh, losing the faith of my childhood, if you will, has produced grief that until you just said the things you did, I don't think I recognize that. <laughs> so you've already helped me understand something. I've always kind of related that to something of a uh, post-traumatic kind of thing, but it may be something that's related to grief. So um, to those out there who experienced some similar things that I've talked about in the podcast too, it could be grief related. So hmm. one, one thing I would add to that, and sure. that's a very valid point and something I think many of us don't recognize is that most change in our lives, whether positive or negative, but most change, big changes, is first felt and processed as loss. Hmm. So losing a a faith of a childhood can be a positive if Hmm. you're going to a new faith, if you're going to a new understanding, but it also internally, initially, may be processed as loss. Wow. 
Wow, very interesting. And I've been helped. I hope other people <laughs> get something out of that too. Okay, um, uh, we just have a few questions as I kind of mentioned. Um, but the next one is uh, kind of sticking around the topic of holiday grief. I think we know why it can be so prevalent during the holidays. But how do people go about recognizing when they're having grief? Um, you know, again, in my mind, this is interesting. I am only thinking of a loss of a person. But now that you've opened that world to me, um, so how do people recognize when, uh, you know, when the window is open and <laughs> the papers fly all everywhere? And <clears throat> it's a good question because sometimes it's hard to recognize. Yeah. We um, experience emotions and we engage in behaviors that we're not aware of mm. why. It, it's just there. So I'll back up just a little bit and say that the, the first one of the first things we need to do as people who encounter people and ourselves is to normalize that grief. If somebody is experiencing emotions and behaviors because of a loss of some kind, and particularly because of death, and particularly during the holidays, we need to be adept with ourselves and with others at allowing and supporting and educating that these feelings that we're having are normal. Hmm. Often people think they're losing their memory or that they're going crazy. And so we have a big obligation to ourselves and to others to let ourselves know that these feelings and these things that we're going through are normal. Hmm. So I wanted to lay a basis for that before we go into how can we recognize it. I've already addressed a little bit some of the physical symptoms, which can be right. varied. Um, and then those, you know, we talked about mourning, those emotional responses or those responses to emotion can happen. Um, avoidance type behaviors, overworking, overeating, overdrinking, over shopping, over anything. Right, right. Um, doing those kinds of things to excess or the opposite of that, avoiding, isolating, depression, hmm. not wanting to interact with people. Um, being overwhelmed, uh, not being able to follow our normal routine or our normal schedule, just can't seem to get back to normal. Right. Uh, having things trigger emotions, tears, memories of mm -hmm. sad things, or even memories of joyful things, when Everyone is supposed to be jolly, and we're trying to be mm, yes. jolly, and we're trying to live up to the expectations of the season. Uh, we have to do this for other people, but inside we're sad, hmm. we're crying, we're hurting. Things can trigger us. It right. may be a song. It may be... Right. Uh, a story. It, it may be the Oklahoma Sooners playing football, which I always <laughs> watched with my father. And so for a while, um, anytime a Sooners game was on, there was there was that grief that showed back up or the mourning, if you will. But uh, Absolutely. That yeah. is very, very valid. And what I would say about that also is that another basic of grief that we need to re be remembering when we're talking about this is that Everyone is unique. Mm, Everybody right, grieves right. in a different way. Right. Yours was Sooner football. <laughs> Mine was high school football. Mm. When my children got to the high school football age and my dad 
was not present to see what he would have valued as the highlight of his yes, life. Right. He was a football player right. in high school. And right. to see those boys play football, and of course that's similar because it's football, but it could be any <laughs> anything. Right. People are very unique in mm. the way they grieve. Right. Some may go to the side of, as we were discussing, overdoing. They'll just whirl yeah, through right. and try right. to do every right. Christmas right. decoration. To make everything perfect. And make everything right. just like it was. Others may withdraw and feel that they can't handle any of it. I just can't do Christmas. I know of one family who uh, lost a child. A child died. And that first Christmas, they had a lot of pressure from family and from relatives Uh, to continue with everything as normal. To to be a part of the family. You need your family, all your extended family, to be around you uh, during Mm -hmm. this time. And we need to go through our normal routines but that family opted, just their nuclear family opted to go to Disneyland. <laughs> and they wanted to do that and had completely be separate from what was. Mm, right. They grieved in a unique way right. that was particular and helpful for them. They knew what they needed. And they needed the acceptance of those around them and the encouragement of, and support of those around them to grieve in the way that was helpful and supportive for them to grieve. And they were strong enough, apparently, to do it, even though they were getting a lot of pressure not to. When you said um, the over, uh, well, what you mentioned, something else came to mind, a question, I guess. And if you are recognizing this behavior of someone, so I am you know, not necessarily the person in grieving or mourning, but you recognize someone's overdoing or someone's underdoing, do you approach them? How do you how do you handle that? Do you have a Again, that's an individual okay. situation. Okay. You may if you are very close to that person mm. and this is a radical change in behavior for them, yeah. it might be appropriate to approach them. But the main thing that you've got to keep in mind is that you've got to give that permission and not only give the permission to the person, but accept the person to grieve in the way that's appropriate for them. It may look like overdoing to you, uh, and it it may be a way of coping for them, but this may be what they need to do. Hmm at that moment. Okay. Usually it goes the other way. People don't want to do the things that they once did, but they may make themselves go ahead and do it. So they need to have permission to not do it that way this year. It's okay if we modify it. It's okay if we um, delete that and start a new tradition. Hmm. It's okay to do what is going to make you feel more comfortable and in any way that you can convey that to them, not necessarily coming and saying, this is what you should do mm-hmm. because I mm-hmm. see that you're, you're just completely withdrawing. They need permission and support, especially when uh, we're in the position that I am and many others as viewed as a, a leader mm-hmm. or a guide right. with grief support. Um, I don't want to come to somebody and tell them something. Mm-hmm. I want to walk alongside them, right. be with them, encourage and support them for the process that they need so that they can move through a process and move toward healing. 
So the way that I heard the over and the under, over doing this, over doing that, under doing this, under doing this, at first, I took that as a negative thing, but it's not necessarily a negative. It is just how they are grieving. And so it's not to go and say, hey, I think you're grieving. <laughs> it's not to go and point that out, but just to support them and love them through that and maybe recognize, as you said, it's like, oh, no, we're not going to do the open the presents around the fireplace. We're going to go to Disney World. It's like, oh, okay, yes, let's do that and support them in whatever behavior because it's unique to each person and it's normal. That's just part of the process. Does that sound right? That sounds right. And that if we keep in mind those basic principles of grief under all of our behaviors and how we approach people, it is, it's going to carry you through with those questions. What do I do now? What do I do now? People that are grieving need to be heard. They need Mm -hmm. to tell their story when they're ready and they need to be listened to without others saying, yes, but if you would do this, Mm -hmm. that, and the other, It would really help you. You need to do whatever. That's different than perhaps inviting someone or acquainting them with a grief support group or something, a piece of literature or something you think would be helpful to them. That's different. But what you need to do first is have an attitude of normalizing that grief, giving permission to grieve and express, and listening. Remember that we are um, to be the companions that come alongside and walk through this journey with them. So, yes, Justin, you are on the right track and you have the the right principles in mind. I think that at this point I need to go back again to basics and review the tasks and the, um, and I call them tasks of grieving or mourning, it's like the process that people need to go through, the basics of that. So if you don't mind, I would like to just um, go back through this. I think we've said it in so many words, but to kind of clear it up maybe in in bullet points, um, when you hear the word task, you might be more uh, comfortable or understanding of the word working through, Right. working through. We don't any longer use the word stages, stages of the grieving process. No, really. Um, That became popularized in the 60s by a psychiatrist, Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and she worked with dying people, and she saw different stages that people went through Mm -hmm. toward acceptance of their death or their terminal illness. Over time, these stages began to be applied to grief people who had been left behind. Mm -hmm. Um, And as we said, it can even apply to any kind of a loss, but particularly about um, someone who has died and the people who are grieving the loss of that person. Those stages began to be applied. And it makes um, an impression that once I complete stage one, I'm ready to go move on to stage two. (laughs) Once I've... um, become angry, uh, and then bargain with God about it, I can come to some acceptance, right. those kinds of things. The word now and the, and the um, concept that we need to remember is process. Okay. Grief is a process, and it is not linear. 
in that it progresses stage by stage by stage. It's circular. Mm. It's continuous. All of these things could be happening at the same time. Oh, my gosh. Or they could be happening one by one, or they could be scattered throughout. Grief is not something that we come to closure with. That's another popular word that we hear all the time, closure. They need to have some kind of closure. Mm. And there may be some forms of closure on some things, but we don't seek closure. We seek hope and recovery, and we seek a new normal and a new healthy lifestyle. Mm. So that's what these working through processes are all about. The very first thing that has to happen is to accept the reality of the loss. In the initial stages, there's a shock phase. Mm -hmm. And that's almost like physical shock when someone gets shot or is bleeding. It's a protective mechanism to help us um, psychologically and physically have a period of being able to take this in, that it is a reality. Mm -hmm. Our loved one is gone. And so we have to accept the reality of that loss. And there may be threads and shades of that reemerging through months, years, mm-hmm. even for right. some people, until and that's okay. That's part and of that's it. and exactly right. that's what that's what we're learning right. that this is normal, not to a pathological degree to where there's no function. You know, the person is yes. not functioning after five years. Right, right, right. But right, we're right. discussing normal grief today. Right. Okay. And then the next thing that we need to look at is to process the pain of grief. Grief is painful. It hurts in multiple ways. And that pain must be experienced and processed. The only way to get through grief is to go through it. Hmm. You experience it. That's physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And we, we discussed how there can be symptoms mm-hmm. of all of that. Mm-hmm. And then we also talk about adjusting to a world without the deceased person or the lost object. Right. And that's where we where the person builds on um, finding a new normal, kind of finding their place. After all those pages have been (laughs) overturned on that desk and everything is topsy-turvy and upside down, I've still got to file my income taxes. Mm -hmm. I've still got to function. So how do I go about rebuilding this stack of paper? How do I go about finding that place? How do I ask my question, or I do ask myself the question, or the question of others, how do I now live? Sometimes we're under the false assumption that that means blotting that person out. Mm -hmm. I have to get over, I have to close, and I have to move forward. And that's not the case. Part of living in the world without the physical presence of the deceased or the physical presence of whatever we've lost, relationship, job, is to find some kind of an enduring connection with that person in the midst of embarking on our new life. How can we keep that person alive? Mm -hmm. Of course, in our love, in our heart, in our memory, through many multiple things that we might do. We may visit the cemetery and decorate the gravesite year after year after year, or many and varied ways looking at pictures, keeping a picture in the room, keeping a candle lit, whatever it might be, but finding that connection. We don't forget. 
we move forward, but all the time finding that new level of function for us. So I, I will um, add some other ways of maybe kind of remembering these things. Okay. One of the grief experts, is uh, his name is William Hoy, mm-hmm. and he's a chaplain and a minister, and he has a way of talking about um, adaptations or adaptive actions that, that we can do or that we can see in people. Remember, that's remembering stories and sharing, telling mm-hmm. our stories. Reaffirm, and that is finding the anchors in our life, the spiritual support, mm-hmm. the okay. friends, right. the meaning in things, mm-hmm. the meaning of life to us now, and the meaning even of death, even though we probably will never find yeah. the full answer to that. But reaffirming those anchors in our lives that were meaningful to us prior to the loss. Right realizing we talked about that coming to terms with the reality of the death and the magnitude of the pain that is ongoing that realizing Mm -hmm. is ongoing release and that saying goodbye as we know the relationship or the situation and then moving into that future without the deceased person's presence and that's finding the rituals and ceremonies and, and ways, right. either through funerals and the, the immediate time period or ongoingly throughout our lives. That's basically a repetition of some of these tasks right. and things that right. we work through. But sometimes it's helpful to hear it from different perspectives and, and in different words. Right. And in different words. That's right. Remembering, right. reaffirming, realizing and releasing mm. so that we can move forward. So, and, and that's, and I'll, and I'll post these on the show notes. So I'll take that. And so people can refer to these and see these for themselves. Um, and so uh, along those lines, what are other resources that you suggest and offer? Is there a book? Is there a couple of books that you have? Um, maybe group meetings, things like that. What do you, when people go looking, what should they look for? Let me give one suggestion first before I give specific resources, and that is um, something we've already talked a little bit about, is being sensitive to the person before jumping in and saying, here, I've got a great book for you. (laughs) This will really help you. Right, right. And I was thinking for people in my head here, thinking people to go out for themselves to find things. Yes, so, but, and, and this can work both ways. Yeah. People can look at these resources themselves, and I highly recommend that they do this. Or those of us who are caregivers or friends or family mm-hmm. and want to support others can be listening to where that person is with things and what perhaps sharing our own experience and what has helped us, okay. and um, yeah, that's good. And then making those referrals. The first thing I would mention is that there are multiple types and kinds of grief support groups. Okay. Everything from church groups and funeral homes in local communities, mm. ho- local hospices, they, and generally, people are adept at going online and finding that. You can Google it, and you can find numerous resources in your own community. Okay. So support groups are very good, and 
you can really benefit from helping one another, mm. from people who are in similar situations. Some communities have, as Tulsa does, um, actual centers for grief support. In Tulsa, we have one that is um, called the Grief Center, and there is counseling and group work available, resources available there. Okay. Is that usually free stuff? I mean, you just it, walk in? Generally, and... uh, those types of things are usually nonprofit organizations okay. and charge on a sliding scale. Okay. Okay. But and some of the some of the uh, grief support groups, for instance, at funeral homes, may charge a fee. Okay. They may charge a fee for literatures uh, for literature. Others may be free of charge. Okay. There's all different kinds of formats. Right. Uh, those at churches are more than likely most of the time going to be free. Mm -hmm. They can be one-time sessions or they can be over weeks. Okay. Uh, weeks at a time. Some of them deal with specific losses, like loss of a spouse. Others may be more generic. Okay. Um, there's as many kinds of grief support groups as there are people who yeah, are right, grieving, right, right, which is right, a good thing. Right, yeah. But I, I would recommend that as a broad, uh, a broad resource. The first, the first book that I want to recommend is, and there are many <laughs> of these daily meditation books, yeah. but one of the best ones I have found is called Healing After Loss, and it's written by Martha Hickman. It's Daily Meditations for Working Through Grief. There's, there are several editions. I think this author has died now, but it is very valuable because it addresses specific parts of grieving, and there's one for every day of the year. You can read it that way, or you can read it, you know, you can just open it and pick a topic. Okay. It, it's written by a woman whose husband was a minister and who experienced the death of a I think she was an early teen child. So she's she's coming from somewhat of an expert point of view, but also from a griever mm. herself. Right. And through my own experience and professional experience, I have found this particular work to be the most helpful, the most um, on target Good. with the raw emotion and the honest mm. feeling of what one is is going through. Right, right. There are some online resources that you can find by Googling, but I wanted to recommend uh, one of the really world-renowned foremost authors on grief, and his name is David Kessler. And he really deals with a wide variety of losses. He doesn't focus just specifically on death, although he okay. is very good with that, and he did work with... Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, the psychiatrist that I mentioned mm -hmm. in the early stages of pioneering research about grief, he, he was able to work with her and learn from her. But there are a couple of wife, uh, websites, grief.com as well as uh, davidkessler.org, but grief.com is the one that has more information practical information okay. about grief. And I'll put all these in the show notes so people can reference them. Another leading expert that I could highly recommend any of his literature or web information, his name is Dr. Alan Wolfelt, W-O-L-F-E-L-T. And he has um, his homepage and his main website is Center for Loss and Life Transition. 
And I love that title <laughs> because it talks about life transition. Right. It doesn't talk about your life is ending because you're grieving. It talks about making a transition. He goes, you know, right off the bat, when you open it up, it's grief. What is grief? He starts out by normalizing. Right. This is what it is. Right. And so he, he is a real expert. And I had already mentioned to you, I don't have specific names of books, but Dr. Um, William Hoy, who is a minister, a grief counselor, has many, many writings on grief, and his are very much the process orientation. He also has a book about how lay people can help lead a grief support group. Okay. Thank you. All right, let's um, jump into a couple of different questions here that we've kind of came up with. Um, and so what is, what do you say to someone, and and I would assume that you've had experience with this and, and people who are within grief, but what do you say to them to someone who thinks it should be over by now. And I put that in quotes. <laughs> if, uh, why isn't this ending? Why is this not over? When I'm thinking about talking with someone who is worried about themselves because they think they should be over it by now, I wanna find out more about what they're, what they're really saying mm -hmm. and where they really are with things. So I would probably begin with someone by that's expressing those things is something like tell me more about what things you're experiencing mm -hmm. that make you feel so strongly that that you need to be over this right. or that right. you need to be over this by now. Right. Maybe a question like have you set a time frame for yourself? encourage them to go a little bit deeper with why they think that. They may think this or be experiencing because someone told them that after you lose a husband, it's going to take you three years, Ooh, and then you're going okay. to return to normal. Right, right. That was that person's experience. Someone right. else may say that it's it, setting parameters it's, for it's them. It's setting parameters right. for them when there really are not any parameters. We talked about right. this being a process and being circular. So somehow allowing them to talk and you walking with them to reassure them that there is not a timeline, mm -hmm. that there is not a complete closure slash getting over it. Right. There is a recovery of hope and a recovery of living, a way to live, and many people emerge emotionally, spiritually better, if we could use the word better, yeah. or healthier after having gone through the process hmm. of grief right. in a very strong and profound way. Those who embrace that process and are willing to feel the pain and go through the emotions, but really going, getting over it is a misnomer because we don't get over it okay. when we lose something that's highly significant mm. in our lives. Right. Right. We incorporate the experience of it and we incorporate that person or that thing, for instance, if we're talking about a job, we incorporate that relationship that we've had 
with our ongoing life mm-hmm. and with that finding of a new way and a new path right, right. and a new normal. New normal right. So that, right. again, goes back to one of our very basics of normalizing that grief yeah. for them. Right, right. Okay. But a lot of it has to do with how they're processing it, where they're coming from, why they're feeling that way. And that's their story to tell you. It's not our story to tell them. Yeah, I could see the the pain, the hurt in it being something that you want to end, you know, and things like that. And so, um, and that's, I think that may be where that question can come from because anything that is painful or hurtful, we want it to go yes. away. And, and uh, so, yes. But, um, and let me let please. me and let me say, Justin, that um, the pain will lessen. Mm. The pain may never completely disappear, right. but the pain will certainly recede yeah. over time, and the pain will be manageable and dealt with and experienced in different ways. Okay, okay. If you could be, and sometimes um, I think we kind of talked about this before we started recording about how. You know, you go in sometimes as a teacher or a guide and you have this point you want to make or something you want to say and you don't always get to it. So um, as uh, someone who teaches class and things like that, there's not always that open and honest time to say, this is it. This is what I want to say to people. This is what I want to get across to them. Is there something within this with holiday grief or grief that you want to say to people, if it's uh, something you've already said, maybe you want to reiterate it just to point it out. I think that we have touched on all of it through our conversation, and I'm really glad that you know our conversation's kind of been all over the place mm-hmm. and covering a broad uh, topic and a lot of material. But I think it's important that we at least have a little snippet or a smattering of each thing, so that we can, if we're a griever, so that we can have some information, some um, educated information to know that we're not going crazy, number Mm. one. And also, as someone who is trying to help someone, be it it family member, friend, um, through the process, to be with them through the process, I think I think we've done a good job of of hitting on a lot of things. But I would like for us to remember, if we remember nothing else out of this, I'd like for us to remember three main points. The first one being that grief is normal. It's a normal process. It's a healthy process. And it's something that we, the griever, must walk through. If they don't do it now... It's going to still be with them, and they're going to need to do it later. Mm. If we don't do it, it can become pathological mm. and lead to complicated grieving, which can cause impairment of function and, and ability to love, live life to its fullest. So normalizing grief is very important. Right along with that is giving permission and encouragement to grieve and mourn. Mm. I think sometimes if we're the griever, it's hardest to give ourselves permission. Right. Just like that question we talked about a while ago, I should be over it by now. Mm-hmm. Why am I not over it by right. now? Right. I should be back um, doing my job after a month. It's right. been a month. I should be back at work. My work policy says I can have three days off. 
society and what people expect of us is not the same as what's realistic mm, for us. Right. And as we pointed out, everybody's unique. Right. So giving ourselves permission and we as caregivers or friends giving others permission to to grieve right. and to grieve in the way that they need to grieve. Right, right. If they need to go to Disney World and withdraw <laughs> at Christmas time, right. that's what they need to right. do. If mm. they need to not have the turkey that granddaddy always carved, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's okay right. not to do that this year or maybe to change it. So normalizing, giving permission, and then most important of all, walking through the journey of grief with them. As a friend, as a minister, as a caregiver, as a professional, as a, even as someone who has been through a similar experience, we're not the experts that are here to tell them what to do mm. or to tell them how to do it. We're here to walk alongside them and support them. In, in their process. And that, that can be a hard and fine line, especially when we're talking about offering resources, right, offering right, websites, offering right. grief support groups. Those things are not wrong. From my own personal experience with death, death of a son, I learned one thing that has really, really impacted me. Many, many people came up to me and said, they either wrote in cards or said verbally, there are no words. Mm. And they would give me a hug. Or they would say, how are you doing? I took those as meaning. I love you. Mm -hmm. I care about you. Mm -hmm. I want, I'm here with you through this. They may not have brought a casserole. They may not have written a sympathy card. But they said to me with their bodily presence and their embrace and their kind word, no matter how that word was formed, I heard through their being that they cared. And that impacted me as much or more than anything that support groups and anything else could you don't even have to use words. We're not comfortable when we don't have words. When <laughs> right. we don't have words to use, right. that can be right. really hard. But a simple squeeze of the hand, pat on the shoulder, a hug, a smile, some type of acknowledgement rather than an avoidance. Right. Giving that permission, walking through. I love that phrase, and I didn't make it up. I wish I had it, but it's so true. <laughs> Walking through, right. going through the process with them. Right. And that that's what I call, and I've stolen this phrase also from one of the resources, but being a companioning presence. Hmm. That's, that's the ultimate important thing. If we can do that, and that's a lot of work. Yes. That's, that's a challenge, and it can be hard to do because it's so much easier, just like it is for me right now, to sit here and tell all this right, stuff. Right, and say about it and talk about it, yes. Than to yes. be with that person who's right. crying and who's struggling right. or who maybe they're laughing and it feels inappropriate or whatever. It's challenging, but it certainly can be life-changing. Indeed. Thank you. Thank you for your time. And thank you for 
sitting and sharing of your wisdom with us. I mean, I think that this is something that um, that more people let on that they're going through, I think, in this, especially in this time of year, but this time of year, even with Thanksgiving having passed and coming up on Christmas and New Year's and other times, um, I think it's good for us all, which is why we want to sit down with someone who has information to share, because we don't know and we don't always know what to do. And I think you've shed some light on that. So Deacon Cindy, thank you for your time and we appreciate it. Justin, thank you for this opportunity to share. I think that you told me you are going to post on your notes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. some specific things. And yep. I didn't want to to get by without saying that we have some specific suggestions for people who are facing the holidays during grief. Okay. And that is some things on how to cope very specifically, ideas and suggestions of how they might cope. These are things they can read themselves and get some ideas. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at at FunDrainPod. We'd love to hear your comments on our episodes and also suggest future episode topics. Also, if you enjoy what we're doing, go on to iTunes and give us a review, please. Thanks a lot.